When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so we return and begin again. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to a brand new season of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories I am your host Keith aka the radio show nerd and I have missed you guys but I am back oh by the way I did receive a few emails stating that even though I speak about original narrations I performed none last season which is true but never fret I, I will be performing several original stories and, hopefully, a few original audio plays. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. Tonight's episode is entitled, Sister Dearest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we will be enjoying two episodes of Suspense. Our first radio play is entitled The Sisters. And it stars our favorite first lady of suspense, Agnes Moorhead. And this was first broadcasted on February 3rd, 1944. Following that is the radio play the 10 years and this stars the grand dame Joan Crawford and this was first broadcasted on June 2nd 1949 so you all know the drill sit back turn down the lights and listen to the sisters followed by the 10 years oh side note the 10 years sound quality goes up and down so that's my warning if you will enjoy Roma Wine presents Suspense <laughs> Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud! Your health, senor. Roma Wine toasts the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the man in black, here to our suspense. Tonight, as stars, we bring you two of Hollywood's outstanding actresses, Miss Ida Lupino and Miss Agnes Moorhead. 
But before we raise the curtain on this evening's play, the sisters, here is a message from your host, Aroma Wine Company of Fresno, California. You remember the old saying, the grass is always greener in the other fellow's yard? You might agree with the truth of that statement if you happen to overhear a conversation that might easily be taking place at this moment in the smart and festive Club Montmartre in Havana, Cuba. An American has just complimented his Cuban friend on the fine quality of Havana tobacco. Graciously, the Cuban replies, But you of the United States need have no envy of us. Nature has made a great gift of perfection to your country, too. The magnificent wine which we also enjoy. It is Roma wine, made in your own California. Friends, that little anecdote is typical of many countries where wine is truly enjoyed. For in other lands, Roma wines must be imported over long distances from our own California. A luxury to be enjoyed on special occasions. While lucky you can enjoy these superb Roma wines as a daily delight. With no import duty, no expensive shipping charges added to your cost for Roma wines. Whichever one of Roma wines' many types your own taste test names as favorite, you'll agree here is truly superb wine that can come only from truly choice wine districts. And you'll say, no wonder Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. I'll spell out the name for you. R-O-M-A. Roma wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now with the remarkable tale of the sisters. And with the performances of Ida Lupino as Lydia Haskell and Agnes Moorhead as Ellie. Roma wines again hope to keep you in suspense. the far superior lining, the pure silk, but much heavier than the others that we've looked at. Uh, do you care for this one, Miss Haskell? Yes, that's very nice. But I believe I'd like to see something, perhaps even a little better. Of course. Now, if you just step over this way, Miss Haskell. Now, here, here is an exquisite casket, something that really does honor to the department. Yes, it's beautiful. Now, the interior is just the same as the last, but the casket itself is of bronze, solid bronze. Won't that be rather heavy? Yes, but not too heavy. Will there be six pallbearers? I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter, really. The four men can carry this very easily. Very. Miss Haskell, I want you to notice the floral design here. All hand-wrought, every bit of it. And, uh, oh, yes, notice the seams in this casket. Airtight and watertight, guaranteed. You know, of course, how important that is. Oh, yes. Yes. But uh, this casket, in a hundred years, or even two hundred years, will be just as strong and will look just as beautiful as it does on this stand today. You couldn't buy a finer piece of workmanship. How much is this one, please? This casket? A uh, Durabo, by the way. Durabo for durability, we say in the trade. This casket is priced at, uh, let me see, $775. But we can't bring back the deposit. No, 
Our only solace is the knowledge that we've done in the last possible honor. Very well. I'll take this one. I'm sure you're making a very wise choice. In all my years as a mortician, I've never found a family that regretted money spent on a Dorado. And now, uh, let me see. I'll give you a check. Oh, that won't be necessary. Not immediately. After the funeral would do. Oh, uh, by the way, we haven't mentioned it. Are, uh, are we handling the funeral arrangement? I really don't know yet. Oh, well, uh, you want the casket delivered somewhere? No. I'd like you to hold it for a while, please. Hold it? But, uh, for how long? For three weeks. Uh, <clears throat> three weeks? I, I don't understand. Who is the party, the deceased? Who is this casket for? It's for me. Lydia? Lydia? I thought I heard you come in. Where have you been, Lydia? You've been gone all afternoon. I've been shopping. What did you buy? Did you get the ribbons I asked for? No, I didn't have time. Oh, I wanted some new ribbons. My others are all worn out. See, Lydia? Emmy, I wish you'd stop putting ribbons in your hair like a schoolgirl. You're almost 40 years old. I know, Lydia. I know. Then try to act like it. Hand me my sewing and light the lamp. It's getting dark. <gasps> I wonder why we have to go old. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we'd always stayed young like we used to be? Oh, Lydia, remember when Mother used to send us to school with our ribbons matching and our dresses matching? And at the end of the day, no one would even guess we were sisters because I was always so much and you were always so clean. <laughs> oh, I wish we were young again, Lydia. Stop talking nonsense, Ellie. It is nonsense, isn't it? Oh, oh, the doorbell rang while you were out just before you came home. You didn't answer? Oh, no, you told me never to answer it. I just looked out of the upstairs window. Did you see who it was? Oh, yes. Yes, it was a man. A rather big man. He, he ran a long time and then he went away. But he didn't see you, did he? Oh, no. I just... He said it so carefully from behind the curtain. Then I came down here and watched him going down the walk. You came downstairs? Yes, I came. I told you never to come down those stairs when I'm not in the house. Well, it was all right, Lydia. I held on very tight to the banisters all the way and I didn't once look down the stairwell so I didn't get dizzy. And I, I didn't want to jump. Well, don't do it again. It was just that I was lonely. I didn't think you were ever coming home. Lydia, you didn't tell me what you bought. Hmm? Oh, a Durado. What's that? What's a Durado? Don't ask so many questions, Billy. All right. Lydia, I think I'll sew too. I could fix up one of these old ribbons. May I, Lydia? Yes. Yes, so. It'll be good for you. Thank you. Lydia. Yes? Lydia, could I go shopping someday? Don't be a fool, Ellie. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought... No, I suppose you're right. It wouldn't do, not yet. There wasn't any mail today. Wasn't there? No, I thought perhaps there'd be a letter from David. It's been such a long time since he's written, hasn't it? I haven't noticed. Oh, yes. 
Yes, he used to write every week on Tuesday. And I get the letter on Thursday. But there wasn't one this week or last or the week before that. Strange, isn't it? But perhaps he's been busy. Perhaps. Still, he never used to be too busy to write. I, I can't understand it. Do you suppose there's some other reason? What are you trying to say, Ellis? Are you hinting that perhaps I'm keeping your mail from you? Oh, no. Well, you certainly seem to be. Why would I keep David's letters from but you? I didn't say that. I just said it was strange that David hadn't written that at all. You wouldn't keep David's letters. I know that, Lydia. Go on with your sewing. Yes. I want to finish this ribbon. Stop singing that. Stop it. I don't care. I said stop. Or learn something else. It's all you sing, day and night, day and night. Same tune, over and over and over. Now stop it. Lydia. Lydia, sometimes you frighten me. The way you look at me, you make me think that... that perhaps I'm not getting well. That perhaps I'm still crazy. I'm not. I'm not still crazy. Am I, Lydia? What is it, please? Well, we had a call from Dome Brothers, the undertakers. I'm from the police. Oh, really? I don't see what the police could want with me. Come in if you wish. Thanks. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, there's nothing we want, uh, Miss Haskell, except it's sort of unusual for a woman to order a casket for herself. Unusual? I've heard of many cases of that kind. People who are alone in the world have no one else to look after those things. Sure, I know. Only it's a little more unusual when you can name the date. The undertaker said you wanted the casket held for three weeks. Why three weeks? There must be some reason for it. Yes, there is. I'm going to die. I shall die in three weeks. Or perhaps even before. No doubt of it in my mind, and that's why I ordered the casket. You may call it a premonition if you want. Maybe I could call it suicide. But that's why I'm here, Miss Haskell. I don't know whether you know it, but suicide is a crime in the eyes of the state. For which there's no punishment. Not if it's successful, no. But there is prevention. You see, I know I'm going to die. I feel it. But I have no intention of taking my own life. There's no need to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Haskell, this premonition, as you call it, uh, have you any idea what what brought it on? No. Have you been speaking to anyone? No fortune tellers or anything like that? No. Well, uh, what makes you so sure? How do you know you can trust this premonition? You're not an old woman. I'd say you were in pretty good health. You've got a lot of good years ahead of you. I have a religion. Not a church religion. Just one of my own. It preaches that people go on living until they've outgrown their usefulness. Then they die. From one cause or another. 
When that time comes, the desire to live is gone. And only desire to keep the body alive and breathing. I don't understand that. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Haskell, do you live alone here? Yes. No relatives? No housekeeper? No, I live alone here. Pretty large house for a person living alone. Yes, there are three floors and far too many rooms. It's on the outskirts of town, and it's quiet. And it gives me the privacy I've been looking for. The privacy which you are invading for the first time since I moved here five years ago. Sorry, Miss Haskell, I'm only doing my job. I was told to look you up and find out why you bought that casket. Then I think we may assume your job is over. I guess so. But the uh, office might ask me to drop back once in a while, you know, just to keep it cut. I won't be at home. Why? You don't go out very much. Folks in the town say they don't even see you more than once a week, maybe. When you come, I won't be at home. <clears throat> All right. Sorry to bother you. Good night. Good night. Oh, uh, Miss Haskell, how are you going to die? I don't know. Nor do I consider it important. Why should you? Good night. sitting on the steps in the dark. Lydia? Haven't I told you never to come down here at night? Lydia? Well, what do you want? I heard that man who was here. Lydia, why did you buy the casket? Why are you going to die? You mustn't, Lydia. You mustn't die. I'd be alone if you died. And you know what would happen? They'd send me away like they did once before. The people in the town would come and find me living here, and they'd send me away. Go up to bed, Ellie, and go to sleep. Oh, can I sleep? Oh, Lydia, you won't die. Promise me you won't. I promise you. Now go to bed. But why did you buy the casket? And the things you said to that man is if you wanted to die. Why, Lydia? Why do you want to die? I don't want to die. No one does. No, you have such a lot to live for, haven't you, Ellie? Yes. I've been happy, Lydia. You've made me happy. And someday when I'm well again, I'll go back home and David will be waiting for me. You know he'll be there. You've always told me to be waiting. And he'll see that I'm well again and he'll take me back. I'm not so old, am I? David won't see me as old. He told me that when I was well, no matter how long it took, he'd still see me as a young girl. That's why I've been happy, just waiting for the time I can go back to David. Ellen, haven't you learned yet? Don't you know yet that you're mad? And that you'll always be mad? No, don't say that. I'm getting better, Lydia. You know I'm getting better. Yes. Putting bows in your hair. Sewing ribbons all day long. Sneaking about the house at night and spying on me singing the same hymn over and over and over until I think I'm going mad, too. Is that why you want to die, to get away from me? I thought you loved me, Lydia. Why should I love you? Look what life has given me and tell me why. You've always spoiled everything for me, Ellie, even from the time we were children. How could I spoil everything? We were just like the same child, Lydia. Twins, you were I and I was you. We looked the same, yes. We were born on the same day, yes. And that's where it ended. You were the nice one. I used to hear them say so. You were even the prettiest, they said. As if they could see any difference between us. Whatever you wanted, you had. You smiled so beautifully. But I never smiled. I was the sullen one. The dark cloud in the house. You made it so, Lydia. We all loved you. When a doll was broken, they gave you mine. 
When you pull your dancing dress, you take mine. You gave it to me, Lily. I remember you gave it to me. Ellie, I've always given things to you. I gave you the best of everything we had. I've given you my whole life. I even gave you David. David. You're in love with David. He came to our house. Was it you he came to see? Finally, I didn't know. No, you never knew. No one did. I had to stand by and watch you take him from me. And when you had your first attack, I was glad. People said what a shame it was. But I was very glad. Lydia. Because I knew then that he could never have you. Oh, yes, you were going to be cured and he was going to wait. It won't matter how long he waits. You'll never be cured and he'll never have you. Never. You've always hated him. I see it now, even when you've been taking care of me. When we came to this town, you didn't bring me here so I'd be cured. You wanted to keep me this way. Mad. That's why you took me out of that place, because they might have made me well again. Go upstairs. You hate me, and now you're going to die and leave me without anyone. I told you I'm not going to die. Oh, Ellie. Ellie, dear, I'm, I'm sorry we've had this quarrel. I didn't mean to upset you. It's just that I'm upset myself. Tired. I didn't mean the things I said. You brought a casket. But it was only an idea I had in case anything ever happened. You brought a casket, Lydia. Was it for yourself or is it for me? Ellie. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, would you, Lydia? What are you talking about? Hold the lamp up. Hold it close to you. I want to see your face. Ellie, go off to bed. Yes, I can see it in your eyes. It is for me. You're going to kill me. You're going to murder me. Don't be a fool, Ellie. It's true. You want to get rid of me because you hate me. You. Oh, now I see. I see you love David. You're going to kill me and they'll come and find me and bury me and they'll think it's you. Be quiet. They'll think it's you who was dead because no one knows I'm living here and then you'll go away. You'll go back to David and you'll say that Lydia has died and you'll think you're me and that you're well again. And he'll marry you. You'll have him. You'll be Ellie. You'll have David. And why is Ellie, did you hear what I said? Quiet. Now go upstairs and get to bed. Are you awake? Ellie, dear. Oh, you mustn't think any more about what we said tonight. Do you hear? Because it's not so, Ellen. Just your imagination. You mustn't think about it. It'll be bad for you. Are you asleep, Ellen? She's not asleep. She's lying over there on the other side of the room, staring at me through the dark. She knows it was the truth tonight. She's going to die and that I'm going to kill her. Quarrel. Should have let her know. I lost my temper. Stupid. I must think clearly. How am I going to kill her? Nothing look like murder. They all suspect me then. No, it must be suicide. How? Not when? It has to be soon now that she knows. Again, mad at him. Him. No, I must be calm. I get excited. And clearly. How am I going to kill her? Oh, I wish it were over. I can go back then. 
Dr. David. If she saw through that, but I'd go back on her, please. He'll never suspect. So I'll, I'll be anything to him. Any cured and happy again. I'll learn to smile. And she must die. Oh. And she looks down into the stairwell. Yes, could be so easy. Of course. In a day or two, that police will come back to the house. They'll find her, and they'll think it's me. The stairwell. Three floors from the attic here. Three floors straight down. So easy when you think clearly. The stairwell, of course. Afraid of the dark room? Well, I'll light the lamp for you. There, dear. That's better, isn't it? Why, you're shivering. You cold? Come, put your wrapper on. And we'll go down to the parlor and light a fire. And I'll make you a nice cup of hot milk. Come along, Ellie. Ellie, stop acting like this. Now, come, dear. There. Here's your wrapper. Put it around your shoulders. That's the girl. Get up now. I'll carry the lamp. Give me your hand, dear. Why, you're as cold as ice. Now be careful. Walk slowly. There we are. Hold on to the banister, dear. That's right. I'll hold the lamp up high so that you can see that. Right here, dear. You see? I'm afraid. Ellie. Ellie, you must get over that fear. Look, Ellie. That's the song. There's nothing to frighten you. Look down the stairwell, Ellie. No. I'm holding you, dear. Just lean over and look down. You can see all the way. No, don't make me look. Don't make me. You see nothing, is it? Nothing at all. No. Oh, you did it, dear. Well, I'm holding Let you. Let me go. I can't stand it. Come closer, no. dear. No. Closer, Ellie. No. Lean over. No. Just lean no. over. Do you hear, Ellie? Let me get back. Look, Ellie. No. Look down. No. Now, Ellie. Let me go. Now, Ellie. Let me go. Lean over. Let me go. Look down, Ellie. to my mind, of course, because this is the house. Just here, the next one we're coming to. Yes, he was in to see us just a few days ago. Came in to order the casket. She saw a casket she wanted, and then she told me it was for herself. Oh. Must have had a premonition. Yes. I notified the police, of course. Said she wanted me to hold the casket three weeks. Then, just the day before yesterday... The police came back to the house here and found her lying at the bottom of the stairwell, dead. She'd been dead about two days. Oh. Funny how she knew. The banister up on the attic floor broke away and she fell. Did she have any people? 
No, lived alone, they tell me. We're going to bury her tomorrow. Haskell, the name was. Haskell. That's strange. Living all by herself here in a big three-story frame house. Yes, isn't it? Hey, what is it? My imagination, I guess. I could have sworn I saw a light in the attic window. Well, it couldn't have been. The police have shut it up. Of course. That story of yours really gave me the creeps. Well, let's walk out. Hmm. Uh, it's a queer thing, the power of suggestion. You've conveyed it to me, of course. You know, just now, I thought I could hear someone upstairs in there. A woman. A woman singing. A woman? Yes. Yeah. Sort of crooning to herself. Some kind of a hymn. Presented by Roma Wines and starring Ida Lupino and Agnes Moorhead. Tonight's tale of Suspense. In just a moment, we'll hear again from Miss Lupino. In the meantime, here's a true life suspense drama. Your guests raise their wine glasses to their lips. Your reputation as a host hangs in the balance. Will they approve the wine of your selection? Well, no need to feel the least bit concerned if you have elected to serve any of Roma Wine's many different types of taste-delighting California wines. Perhaps the tangy, appetizing Roma Sherry, or the richly satisfying Roma Burgundy, or the delicately delicious Roma Sauterne. And notwithstanding, your cost for any of these good Roma wines is only pennies a glass. Your guest's verdict is sure to agree with this verdict of wine connoisseurs of many lands. Roma wines son verdaderamente magníficos. The Roma wines are magnifique. Roma wines are truly magnificent. Let me repeat the name, please. R-O-M-A. Roma wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ida Lupino. It is my sincere hope that you enjoyed our suspense play this evening. Miss Moorhead and I trust you will join us in listening to suspense next week when Charles Ruggles is your star. One more word. Remember, Americans, this is the critical year of the war, calling for more of everything to win. You answer the call when you buy more war bonds. Miss Lupino will soon be seen in the Warner Brothers picture, In Our Time. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Tonight's play was written by George Wells. Don't forget then, next Thursday, same time, Charles Ruggles will star in Suspense. By Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
the Columbia Broadcasting System. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Suspense. Tonight, transcribed, Autolite brings you... Joan Crawford in The Ten Years, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leader. And now, Autolite presents Joan Crawford in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Everyone is so good to me. I like being here. But some of the others don't, I guess. Do you hear? They scream sometimes like that in the night. Maybe they scream because they remember things. But I remember things, too. Especially when people come out from town to see me. To bring me things. But there's nothing. Nothing that I want. They can't bring back my sister. My beautiful sister Adele. They came today. And with them they brought back memories of Adele. When we were children. The night that Mother died. The night we made the promise. Don't cry anymore, Adele. to win her over, but it was no good. And then 
he asked me to marry him. And I said yes. That night, after he'd gone, Adele was waiting for me in my room. Adele? Oh. Douglas told me. Adele, you're so white. You're ill. But you promised me. But Adele, I'm not leaving you. You're going to live with us. No, it won't be the same. You promised always and forever. But we were children, Adele. You promised. We'd be together always and forever. Adele, I... You, you see, Adele. If you marry him, I'll never speak to you again. But we were married. And we believed that Adele would forgive us in time. But she didn't. She refused to see us and letters went unanswered. Then when we learned that my husband's new job was to take us to Europe, the first thought was of Adele. If she would only go with us. But when we drove to her house, she refused even to come to the door. And we were forced to sail without her. My son, Doug, was born in Europe. And I wrote Adele a long letter telling her about him. But the letter was returned unopened. When Doug was just ten, we returned to America. I went directly from the station to Adele's house. She was working in the garden when we drove up. I was shocked at her appearance. Her hair had turned almost white, and there was a strange look about her. I sent Doug to the gate to introduce himself. She looked at him in a puzzled manner. Then she saw us sitting in the car. And she turned and walked into the house. The next thing I remember was that day, one month after my return home, when I was put on trial for murder. For my husband's murder. Mrs. Foley, will you tell us again what happened the night of your husband's murder? My husband was working in the garden all day. When it began to grow dark, I called him in. But he insisted that he had something to finish. I called him several times after that. And then I became irritated and I gave up. I had my dinner alone and I went up to my bedroom. Then you do admit that you quarreled with him the night of the murder. We didn't quarrel. I was irritated, but I said nothing to my husband. I see. Your husband's death was caused by a deep, narrow wound in the vicinity of the heart. It is the opinion of this court that the instrument used might have been an ice pick. Mrs. Foley... Have you any other ideas as to what might have inflicted this wound? No. Had your husband any enemies, Mrs. Foley? No. So I was acquitted that day because of insufficient evidence. I thought Adele would come to see me during those awful days, but she didn't. I saw her in the courtroom, but she never looked my way. I believe it was about two months after the trial that my son and his friend Roy went on an all-day hiking trip to the beach. They were late getting back. It was almost dark when I saw Roy coming up the street. He was alone. And he was running. Mrs. Foley! Mrs. Foley! Where's Doug? She's down at the beach. With her. With whom? Your sister. My sister? Oh, for heaven's sake, Roy, will you tell me what this is all about? Well, you see, Mrs. Foley... 
Doug and I went down to the beach. It seemed that Roy and Doug had forgotten to take along their drinking water. And they hadn't missed it until they'd come to a very deserted strip of the beach. Maybe we can get some water at that little house over there. Funny place for a house, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. Looks like nobody lives here. All the better. You can just drink out that faucet in the yard. You won't have to ask nobody. Come on. Sure run down, ain't it? Maybe the faucet isn't working. The garden's all dead. Sure it's working, see? Someone's just plain lazy, then. Or maybe no one lives here. Well, sure they do. There's a mailbox. Hey, maybe there's a name on it. Look. Miss Adele Norris. That's Mom's sister. Yeah? Well, let's drop in and see her. She wouldn't even know who I was. You could tell her, couldn't you? Say, maybe she'd give us some cake or something. No. She's mad at me and Mom. Come on, let's get out of here. Hey, don't. Look at all those dead leaves on the porch. Let's have a look around. No, she might come out. Oh, she can't hurt you, can she? Let's peek in the window. No, Roy. Look, Doug. The place is all upset. It's all dirty and everything. Let's look in the rest of the windows. There's no one around. Here's the kitchen. Hey, look at all the dirty dishes piled up. Say... Maybe my aunt's sick. Look. Someone's coming to the window. Oh. What do you want? We wanted to see if you were all right. Go away. Don't you recognize me? No. Are you sick? No. I'm your nephew, Douglas Foley. Go away, whoever you are. I'd like to help you. Go away, I said. Mother wouldn't want me to leave you here like this. Who is your mother? I told you. Don't you remember? She's your sister. I had no sister. My sister died when I was 18. Roy, you go home and get my mother. My aunt's sick. I'll climb through this window, and I'll see if there's anything I can do. Please stay out of this house. Doug, let's both go. She doesn't want you here. She's sick. You go for my mother, and hurry. If you come into this house, you'll be sorry. If you dare Did you say your name is Douglas Foley? Yeah, that's right. Douglas Foley is dead. Forever and ever. No, don't you see? The one who died was my... Douglas Foley became between two sisters. And then he died. Yeah, but I'm trying to tell you. My mother and you... But if he isn't dead, then I guess he'll have to die again. That's it. Yes. You'll have to die again. You'll have to die again. You'll have to... You're sick. You need help. I'm sick. Yes. Don't you want me to come in? Yes. Come in. Douglas Foley. Suspense, Autolite is bringing you Joan Crawford in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Joan Crawford as Clara in The Ten Years by Mel Dinelli. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. You see how clearly I remember things? I remember so well the horror of that moment when Doug's little friend finished telling me how he had left Doug there alone with my sister Adele. And I even remember what Roy said at the end. So I came back to tell you, Mrs. Foley, what account of Doug made me. Now I wish I hadn't left him there with her. I know she's your sister and all, but I saw her face when she came to the window. She looked awful, Mrs. Foley. She looked awful crazy. I followed Roy's directions, and I went by foot north along the ocean. I must have walked a good mile before I came to the house. The front door was standing open. There was a lamp burning on the table. Adele. She lay on the bed. I couldn't see her very clearly by the candlelight. But I could see that she was fully dressed. Her hair was undone and it spilled down over the pillow. For a moment I thought... I thought she was dead. What do you want? Adele. What do you want? It's me, Clara. Where's Douglas? He's dead. Adele! Your husband is dead, I I don't mean my husband. I mean my son. Where is he? He was murdered with a long shot. Be still! You don't know what you're saying. Where is my son? I haven't seen him. You have. He was here. I know that. I haven't seen him. Yes, you have. Try and remember. Where is he? I don't know. Yes, you do know. What have you done to him? Was he your son? Yes, Adele. Please. I hated him. I know. Where is he, Adele? He went away. Where? Where did he go? He went to the village for a doctor. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. How long ago did he leave? I don't admit. Will you stop questioning me? Can't you see that I'm sick? I tell you he went for a doctor. Why do you come here, Clara? After ten years. I've come to help you. I don't need your help. Adele, did Doug really go for the doctor? You think I'm lying? I don't know. But if he isn't back soon, I'm going for the police. The police? Those fat fools. (laughs) I'm so sick, Clara. I know. I'm going to take your things off, Adele. You'll be more comfortable. Then when the doctor comes, if he comes... Don't you touch me! You're sick, Adele. Let me take your things off. No, no! Can't you leave me alone? Leave me alone! How do you know what's good for me after all these years? (laughs) I'm in pain, Clara. I have a heavy pain here by my heart. When I'm tightly laced, I can almost bear it. All right. All right, darling. We'll leave it till the doctor comes. Will the doctor help me, Claire? Of course he will. Douglas Foley came between two 
and rest, Adele. Close your eyes. He was working in the garden. And I was on my way home. I saw him there, Clara. He looked the same after ten years. Because he had your strength to draw from. But I was alone. I had drunk all. And he had stayed young. Young. And then he... And then she seemed to doze off. Her breathing was so labored. And I thought, perhaps she'll rest more easily if I undress her. And I went over to the bed. She was wearing a corset. I reached over and I began to unhook it. She started mumbling something in her sleep. Broke from arms. Always and forever, you But she didn't wake up. Always. And I finally managed to take her corset off. But as... As I went to place it on a chair, I noticed something sticking out of the material. At first, I thought it was a broken stay, but it was round, and one end was sharp. I looked closer. It was a steel knitting needle. A long steel one. And there was rust on it. Or was that brown stain rust? Adele had concealed a knitting needle, and there was proof of what I guess I'd always known, that Adele had murdered my husband. I dropped the needle to the floor. And something caught my eye. There was a hand sticking out from beneath the bed. It was white and still. It was the child's hand. I fell to my knees. Oh, Doug. Doug. And just as I reached out for him, I... I felt a sharp blow on the back of my head. each other up with our bathrobe cords. And then we waited for a knight in armor to rescue us. And then I think it was the odor of kerosene that brought me to. The room was filled with it. Oh, my head was pounding. I couldn't seem to focus my eyes. I tried to raise myself to my feet, but I, I, I couldn't seem to move my arms, my legs. Suddenly I realized why. I was tied with a bathrobe cord. I was a child again. Adele and I were playing our games again. My husband and everything that had happened between Adele and me had been nothing but a bad dream. Oh, a feeling of relief swept over me. Suddenly I heard footsteps. And the door creaked slowly open. And then I knew that what had happened had not been a dream. For Adele stood there in the doorway. Not Adele, the child who would rescue me. But Adele with gray hair, who hadn't spoken to me for all those years. She wore a long dressing gown. She was barefoot. Her long hair streaming about her shoulders. And there was a vacant, stupid smile on her face. She carried a bucket in her hand. And the odor of kerosene filled the room. She didn't seem to notice me as she went past me. 
she threw the liquid from the bucket on the bed. No! Adele! No, Adele! But she paid no attention to me as she left the room again. I struggled. I struggled wildly, but it was no use. Oh, I was tied securely, and I saw a still figure on the bed. It was Doug. Oh, his face was so white. He was unconscious, and there was a deep gash at the side of his head. Then Adele came back into the room. She had filled that bucket to the brim, and she walked toward the bed again. Clara? Adele, untie me. Untie you? Why? Adele, listen to me. This is your son, Clara. Yes, yes, Adele, untie me. We were looking for him. He was here all the Please time. Please untie me, Adele. I never knew your son. For years, I never knew him. How old is he, Clara? He's only ten. He's just a boy. Adele, you're sick. Untie me and we'll go for a doctor. You want me to be well, Clara? Yes, untie me. Are we friends again, Clara? Yes, we're friends. I want to help you. But I can't forget the ten years, Clara. <gasps> I must wash those years away before we can really be friends oh, again. Oh, don't forget those years. Let me help you. Don't tie me now. We can't forget them, Clara. We must wash them away. That's what I was doing. I was washing away the years. Your husband's gone. Your son is all that remains of him. Then we can be sisters again. You don't know what you're doing. Untie me, Adele. But this isn't water that I have in the sea. No, you, you see, you're sick. But I put into the lamps to make them burn. No! I could burn away the ears. Oh! Then, that would be better. Oh, Much no! Better. No, no, Adele, for the love of heaven, untie me! Burn away these ears that remain on the bed. No, Adele! If I could do that with this candle, then you and I could really be friends again. Like when Mother was alive, we could be sisters again. Always and forever. We're, we're sisters now, Adele. You're lying. We're not sisters. Adele, listen to me. We're, we're children. And you've tied me with this cord, and now you must untie me, like like you used to do when you left me too long and I cried. You're lying. We're not sisters, and we haven't been for years. And now I'm going to punish you for lying, just as Mother used to punish us when we were children. Then she started walking unsteadily toward me, a lighted candle in one hand, the bucket in the other. The liquid slapping over her dressing gown as she walked. Anna, do you remember the time Mother washed out my mouth with soap when she caught me in a fib? That's what I'm going to do to you now. Or perhaps it would be better if I burned you. Screaming, Clara. Oh. Waken your precious son. We mustn't waken him. Adele, Adele, untie me. I, I promise you that I'll take Doug and we'll go away. You'll never have to see us again. No, Clara. It kept moving towards me, holding the lighted candle close to her breast. You mustn't ever lie to me again, Clara. Adele, Adele, you're ill. You don't know what you're doing. Wipe away the years. Burn away the years. Oh, 
suddenly, I saw a tiny flicker of flame on her breast. The fully dressed gown, she had held the candle too close. Her entire dressing gown was a mass of flames that spread swiftly to her hair. In a moment, she was a blazing torch. And the odor of burning filled the room. I can see her face. Surprised and contorted with pain. She turned and looked towards the bed a second, a bucket flaming in her hand. Then she went screaming out the door and towards the street. Mrs. Foley. Yes? You mustn't scream like that. I wasn't screaming. That was my sister, Adele. Yes, I know. Try not to think about it, Mrs. Foley. You knew my sister was burned to death, didn't you, Mrs. Willard? Oh, she was so very beautiful. Yes, I know. Try and rest. Is there anything I can get you before I go to bed? No, thank you. Well... Go to sleep, then. I will. Good night. Good night. And pleasant dreams. Was that my sister, Mrs. Woolley? No, no, Mrs. Foley. It's one of the others. Oh. They scream because they remember things. Yes. Yes, I suppose they do. Good night. Good night. I remember things, too. I remember. Promise me you'll never leave me, Claire. That whatever I do, you'll do. I promise. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. Joan Crawford for a magnificent performance. Now here again is Miss Crawford. I want to thank Tony Peter and his wonderful cast of actors, especially Lorene Tuttle, who played my sister, for helping me to make my appearance on Suspense so very pleasant. Like all of you, I am a great Suspense fan. And I'm looking forward to hearing next week's story. It's another gripping study in... Suspense!
that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at radio show nerd. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a request, a suggestion, a even a critique respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, obviously entitled Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Share and like the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Wow. It is so good to be back. This is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>